Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. In this episode, we'll be schmoozing about bacteria, fungi, protozoa, and viruses that live inside our bodies. I'm fascinated by how much we're just learning about our relationship with these little buggers. And I'm excited to learn more from our expert guest in the studio with me. She's extremely knowledgeable, holding both a master's and doctoral degree in human biology. She's passionate about helping to restore and protect gut and immune health in humans of all ages, especially moms and babies. Her work experience spans across the top microbiome laboratories to field work where she collected baby poop from around the world. Her years of research, field study, and personal experience have given her a uniquely integrative approach to supporting each individual to optimize his or her health and eradicate human suffering by supporting the flourishing of human microbiome. She herself recently became a mom, Dr. Gabrielle Sheets. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. When you're a little kid, did someone come up to you and say, hey, what do you want to do when you get older? <laughs> and you said poop and bugs? I wish it were that straight of a route. <laughs> okay, well, how did it all come to be? Where, where do we start? Very uh, circuitous. Where are you from originally? Well, I grew up in Colorado and Costa Rica and a little bit in El Salvador. That's a long commute. <laughs> <laughs> it was. That's what I'm saying. It's a windy path. <laughs> where were you born? Uh, Boulder, Colorado. Oh, really? Boulder, yeah. Colorado, was, uh, which I know very well for beer and tea. Very good. Very good. And John Elway, maybe? Sure. Okay. <laughs> That's what a trifecta. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then you went from there to? Uh, to Costa Rica, back and forth oh, until and about forth? high school, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, why? Uh, my dad was an archaeologist. Oh. So or is? It gets, I guess so. And then it gets interesting early on. I guess so. Yeah, my mom was a public health nurse as well, and she worked in refugee camps in Costa Rica with AID in, in Salvador. So. What's it like going back and forth? A little crazy. You know, your world all of a sudden is completely different one day, but amazing, too. You get to see that there's a lot of ways to live life and do different things. So yeah, That's a really of, a cool education of different sorts that most people don't get. I mean, people are starting to, you know, or they travel in college and then, you know, they, they get it that there's just, there's a world up there, There's right? more world than just right here? Yeah, which beyond, is fun. Beyond the freeway? <laughs> Thank God. Um, and what languages do you speak? Uh, just Spanish and English. Just? I mean, you know, <laughs> you go to Europe and you find people with... Oh, lots you know, more languages? Yeah. Oh. Once they hit 10, they can just speak everything, I think. I don't speak anything. Well, let's get up to two. I mean, I'm, well, I don't even speak English that well. <laughs> Hardly. So how do you originally get involved in this type of work? Gosh, lots of different things. Like I said, my mom was a you know public health nurse in refugee camps, and that was always, you know, I grew up kind of there, you know, working with microbes in various ways. But at the time, people were much more focused on germ theory and, you know, eradicating, you know, tossing antibiotics at everything in sight. Just um, killing little bugs? Right, including my own gut because I got pretty sick a few times and had a lot of antibiotics and then got really sick. And it took maybe 10 years to start to kind of unwind that ball of wax and understand what was really going on. I guess as we're finding out your journey, we should maybe start with a very <laughs> basic question, which is what is the microbiome? Let's do it. So the microbiome is a very dynamic community of microorganisms in our gut. 
although we have a lot of different microbiomes on our body, right? So we're just discovering that there's a really important nasal microbiome and our oral microbiome has to do with our... Anyway, let's, let's we'll, well get back no, to it, but there's a lot of different... I get what you're going there. So the definition would be like a particular community Habitat. of microorganisms. Right. Our whole body is like a macro community. Exactly. But within there, there are neighborhoods. Yeah, different biodiversity. So, and when you say microorganisms, you mean these living things that you can't really see with the naked eye. Exactly. But like the things I mentioned at the intro, right? Bacteria. Virus, yeah. Yeah, bacteria. We've got um, archaea, which are similar to bacteria, but predate them. Hmm. We have, I mean, every, a lot of things that we're just discovering too, you know, a lot of different, um, we, there's so much unknown about these habitats, but the gut is kind of the major hub or home for most of the microorganisms that we have on our body. Okay. And then when normally you hear virus and bacteria, you start to think, ah, you have a problem, but right. not all of them are so bad for us. Actually, a lot of them are very important for us um, and for our health and also for regulating our immune system. Would you say on a basic level that microorganisms could have three different relationships with us, ones that are bad for us and cause problems, ones that are neutral and not really bad, not really good, and ones that are good for us and help us do things that we need that we can't do on our own? Absolutely. That's yeah. a fair That's translation. That's fair, although then it gets much more complex. Basic. Sadly, yes, yes, basic, yes. But just to give you one caveat is that, yeah, some, some microorganisms, there'll be also one strain of a bacteria that produces something very good and then a different strain of that bacteria that actually, you know, can be very toxic. And oh, so it's like members horrible. of my family. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Same family. But, ooh, and, my oh. family is all commensal and, and all uh, good benefit. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also the same organism can do something very good for you in one community. So mm -hmm. depending on the environment, it can be doing, you know, positive, beneficial outcomes for you. And then on, on the other hand, if there's some other like imbalance in your gut community, you can actually see that become pathogenic. So hmm. that's where it gets complex. Oh, that's really interesting and a little complicated. Yeah, yeah. So you, <laughs> in your exposure yourself, you had infections, so bacterial infections, I presume, and then you took antibiotics yeah. to get rid of those quote-unquote bad bacteria. Right. But and in then the that, process. Yeah, it's it's like collateral damage to the gut. So a whole bunch of other good microorganisms get wiped out. The ones that you need. So what are some of the examples of a good microorganism that we need to do something that we have a hard time doing on our own? Good question. So there's a few microorganisms that we're, or bacteria that we're calling now keystone species. Keystone. Yeah. Mm. So so if you have you heard. Sounds like the Flintstones. <laughs> exactly. So Fred's Flintstone in <laughs> Yellowstone Park, for example. <laughs> yes. Um, you know when they reintroduced the wolves into Yellowstone? No. Okay, there's some great YouTube video on this. Really? I gotta send it to you. Yeah. Okay. But when they reintroduced wolves back into the ecosystem, it changed everything because they ate something that then changed, you know, and it changed everything to the riverbeds, like how the rivers flowed and, you know, all of the biodiversity in that area just flourished. And so some bacteria actually do that for us. So they actually change the environment to actually make room Within for, our system. Yeah. So there's a bacteria called Ackermansia. And do you have something to say about that? No, no. Oh, I just, <laughs> so Ackermansia, they degrade mucin in your coastal layer of your gut. 
right? So it, there's a there's an important layer that keeps a bacteria from getting into your bloodstream. Okay. And that mucosal layer is eaten by this bacteria in a good way so that it keeps it growing. So oh, it keeps so it really warm. Like, you chop it down, it grows back stronger, chop it down. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So in that way, it like makes a really flourishing habitat for other bacteria. And if you don't have that, you're much more likely to have all sorts of conditions, inflammatory conditions, and you know, there's there's a whole bunch. Because of... that layer of protection starts to just wither away. Right, and you can have translocation of bacteria, so you can have bacteria going into your bloodstream. You can have leaky gut syndrome, all of these kind of issues that people are starting to talk about, and inflammatory conditions, which make up most of why you go to the doctor. So you know a lot about these microorganisms and the communities and the relationships. Is that what you were looking to get into when you studied for your master's and your doctorate? Um, was it what I was looking for? I, You know, I really loved, in a human biology class, learning about the microbiome the first time, just looking at obesity and mice studies and how, like, if you gave... Um, Obese mice? Yeah. So okay. if you give obese mice uh, lean bacteria from or from a lean mouse, like you give a fecal matter transplant. Okay. Have you ever heard of these? Well, well you... <laughs> Are we okay, going too far? Let's, well, okay, no, let's just back up and yeah. go slow. So you're saying, in my mind, if a thin mouse yeah. poops yeah, and you take some of the bacteria in the poop from the thin mouse right. and you somehow get that bacteria into the chubby mouse... right. Then the chubby mouse loses weight? Right. And they can be eating the same amount, the same diet. So you're saying, to some degree, the microorganisms that sort of dictate, which aside from appearance, that's a health issue. Right. 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 There's a lot of different health issues. But that was kind of the first thing that was like, wow, there's something interesting here. Yeah. 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 So, and just, you know. So why don't we do that with people? We're working on it. We are? Yeah. Yeah, people are working on it. Oh. A lot. That's actually one of the main... Metabolism, but the other thing about the microbiome—that seems biome, a lot easier than going to the gym, right? <laughs> <laughs> Give us that free yeah, lunch. Just put in a capsule, and I don't take anything. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. So um, the other thing about the microbiome is that we're just discovering a huge array of different issues that are related to it, right? That we think are associated to. Um, now we are right. Well, I so, still want to know about your journey. Okay. Okay. So the mouse situation. That just gets your attention. Right. It was like grips you by the shoulders and says, this is something really interesting. It's also interesting to me because my journey was also through biological anthropology, right? And so it was really interesting to me how culture and how things that we do and behavior actually affects our biology Hmm. and changes our biology. Like an example of that might be? Eating something that then changes your gut flora, that then affects your health, that then affects how you create culture or, you know, be in the world, like your identity. And pass that on to your children? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my kids are screwed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's my goal in life is to not have kids be screwed (laughs) by by our choices, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing with the microbiome is the very, are we okay with my journey or should we? 
I want to. Well, no, because no, we got to go back. Okay. You've come really far from okay. Fat Mouse, Skinny Mouse, okay, <laughs> to where you are now. I mean, you're like an expert in this, so, right? So you, so you pique your curiosity. The biological anthropology piqued your curiosity. Yeah. And then, like, where do you go from there? Where do you even learn about? Because there's not that much known. I mean, it's emerging science. But it's crazy how much has blown up in the last few years. It's really, there's a lot. And when I first was writing my grants, people thought I was crazy. They're like, do what with poop? What? <laughs> yeah. So what was that going around the world collecting poop? So I was interested in the early development of the microbiome. So basically babies, when they are born, they acquire pretty much the first inoculation of this bacteria. So they're getting through the vaginal canal, they're, they're getting their first microbes. And the really important part of this is that it's a successional development. So the very first microbes that they get change the gut so that the next microbes, the next wave of microbes, actually will do the next kind of step and they'll change the environment so that the next microbes can take on, Mm. right? And so if we mess that up anywhere along this successional kind of development, we mess them up, right? So when we give babies antibiotics at month three, for example, we've wiped out that whole early development. Wow. Right? So it's really a big deal. So the foundation of their lifelong... Exactly. ...microbiome. Exactly. And they they tend to be systemic, so you're not just cutting those... Antibiotics don't just go to a particular community. They affect the whole body. Right. And the gut is a very central part of your whole health system, right? So... Your immune system is also kind of located in your gut and mm-hmm. is very related to your microbiome. And, and they develop in tandem in a lot of ways. I have a gut feeling we have a lot more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's already time to take a break. Okay. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Dr. Gabriella Sheets. Hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, It has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking about guts and stuff with Dr. Gabriella Sheets. Let's talk about pregnancy. How important is it for pregnant women and new mothers to understand their own microbiome? Uh, Well, there's a lot of different very important things to discuss. I mean, that would be, you know, getting their vaginal flora, and we can talk about that, getting it prepared for birth if they're planning on having a, a vaginal birth. What's flora? Oh, sorry. Um, bacteria. And it's not actually not even a, the right term. Microbiomes or microbiota. Oh, flora is uh, limited. It's only a part of the microbiome. Yeah. it's Flora, it's not a very scientific term for okay. it. But. So you're saying that there are microorganisms that live vaginally? 
Right. Oh, yes. So you have a vaginal microbiome. Well, and I don't have a vaginal microbiome. <laughs> you don't. You're right. <laughs> Women. <laughs> anyway, not to you. Those with a vagina have mm-hmm. a, a vaginal microbiome. And like any other microbiome, there's good ones, neutral ones, and bad ones? Right. Okay. And the main resident of the vaginal microbiome is called lactobacilli. And these microorganisms actually reduce the pH a woman's vagina. Making it lower, so more acidic? Right. And we want it to be acidic? Yes, sir. Because? Because then you're not hospitable to pathogenic Oh, to uh, the bad, because they don't do well in the acidic environments. Yeah. Okay. But the good ones do okay? Yes. Well, that's helpful. Yes. That they, whoever made them... That clear? Split them up that way. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important. So in also... So, I mean, I guess I'm jumping ahead, but now you're going to get me all excited. Because at the end of pregnancy, they test you for group B strep. Right. Which my understanding is lives in the gut. It does live in the gut. For many people. Right. And then since the gut doorway is in the same neighborhood as the birth canal doorway, it sometimes jumps over and sets up a colony over there. Right. And you'd get tested for it typically towards the end of pregnancy, 37 weeks or so, and if it with a swab. Mm-hmm. And if you test positive, the typical treatment, at least here in the U.S., is IV antibiotics during birth, which I can already see you're just passing out from me having <laughs> said that. So to break this down a little bit, what's wrong with having group B strep vaginally? How can you prevent having group B strep vaginally? And why did you almost pass out when I said IV antibiotics during (laughs) labor? So first thing, it's not necessarily bad or wrong to have group B strep. Uh, There is a small possibility that it could be passed on to your child if you're doing a natural birth, if you're birthing through the vagina. But treating it prophylactically with antibiotics is pretty scary to me. So there are a lot of things that you can do as a pregnant mom. There are pro and prebiotics that you can... Let's explain the difference difference between the two. So probiotics are good bacteria that you're basically ingesting. So let's say a capsule or a drink that has billions of Of, little bacteria in there that are good for us. Lactobacilli usually for that case, right? Yeah, it's the same guys that live in your vagina. Um, Do you put it in your... So or do you put it in your... You can take it orally, and that's what the FDA wants us to do. In Europe, there are capsules or inserts that you can put in the vagina directly, which I would really like to start With probiotics in them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're just opposite sides of the... Right. Well, it's it's definitely much more direct to put it up the vagina. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Why not go where the situation is? It's just an FDA frustration. Then it has to go through your whole (laughs) digestive tract. Right, right. And then you hope that it translocates into your vagina from your gut, which it usually does. I'll get used to you saying your vagina. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. You can just keep saying it. (laughs) Talking to the women out there. I hear you. I'm just just an observer. (laughs) So in that way, you can take it orally, um, and there are some really good ones. You want to make sure the problem is when you take probiotics, they're too general. Like it matters what strain, not just what species you're taking, but yeah. down to the strain. Wow. Um, who would even know what to look for? Uh, you would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing I can put on my website. I'm also working on web content to share this with more women. Okay, great. Especially well, pregnant women. At the end, we'll find out where to find you. There you go. Anyway, orally, and then you can also do good yogurt, not douches, but what do you call it? Just inserts. Yeah, with tampons or just like a syringe, just shoot some really good grass-fed, plain, no-sugar organic yogurt. Mm. And that helps because there's lactobacilli in there. Again, vaginally. Yes, vaginally. 
Does it just come out by itself? Or? It does. Or yeah. it just soaks up. It seems messy, but it's not so bad. Yeah. yeah. So there's all sorts of things. <laughs> I'm just saying because sometimes you brush your teeth and then you're like, oh, I wanted a little snack, but it's going to taste all minty. Now you have another way to. <laughs> exactly. Okay. To freshen up. Yeah. It actually is very soothing and cooling if you have like a dysbiosis means imbalanced. So if the bacteria is imbalanced, mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll get like vaginal dysbiosis or um, sorry, uh, vaginal BV or bacterial you know, vaginosis. Yes. Or um, yeast or, you know, any one of these imbalanced. So for any of those things, you would just plain yogurt. It helps. It helps. It's Sweet. not always the right lactobacilli strain that needs to take over, but it definitely is anti-inflammatory for your vajayjay. Okay, so now back to groupie strap. So groupie strap could be potentially the baby can get it when they move through the birth canal if there's a colony. Right. Are you saying these possible ways to counter that negative bacteria, people should just do it regardless or people should do it if they... I think regardless. I think pregnant moms, I believe, should be taking probiotics and possibly even prebiotics. So Okay, we didn't talk yeah, about we didn't prebiotics talk about. yet. What are prebiotics? Prebiotics are basically food for probiotics, so they or for your bacteria. So they feed the good guys, specifically target them. And it's really effective because the probiotics that we have on the market are extremely limited. There's only maybe like three or four genera. And so we can actually target the good bacteria that we can't even put into a pill form yet, right? Mm. So all those keystone species that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, we we don't even know where those are, how to keep them in a capsule yet. So those we just have to feed the whole community in that way. That's where the science is still emerging. Yes. Yes. In 10 years, we might have a lot more. Why did you almost pass out when I said, um, (laughs) because it's very common, like they test everybody. It's 30%, I think, of women test. My understanding is it's a vaginal rectal swab, so they're not just checking for vaginal colonies, but also the rectum. But if you, you know, a lot of people have it in the gut where it's not harmful to us, right? Is right. this true as adults? Right, right. it can but live very healthily. a problem for babies, right? right? So 30% then get IV antibiotics, sometimes multiple times during the pregnancy. And the mission is, the goal is, get rid of this colony of possibly dangerous bacteria for the baby from the birth canal so that when the baby comes through, they're not exposed to it. That seems like a good goal. Right. It does. But there's a lot of issues. The main one for me is just that we're creating collateral damage in the vagina, right? So we're wiping out all of the good bacteria that you've been developing so that that you would pass on to your baby. Okay, through, so they're not the exposed to the negative bacteria, but then they're also not exposed. Is that how they start to generate their own bacteria when they come through and get right. exposed to you? Right. So that ideally, that's how they receive this. Because it's not just that they're inheriting it from us, but we've inherited this bacteria through millennia since we were, you know, invertebrates. And I mean, it's just we've evolved with this through time, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to be passing on these specific microbes that don't get to be passed on if we're wiping them out while we're trying to go through the birth canal. Okay, let's do this. Sure. I want to talk about cesarean birth because now you talked about going through the birth canal as this place where you get exposed to your microbiome to start building the baby, to start building their own microbiome. When you have a cesarean birth, you don't go through the birth canal. So how do they start to get exposure and building good bacteria? 
Yeah, so C-section babies tend to have different bacteria than vaginal birth, which we, we kind of understand. We that, that kind of show that these yeah. babies have, uh, I said four again, but a different community of microorganisms right. than babies born right. by cesarean. Right. They show they, they have more environmental microbes, so they have bacteria from the nurses who hold them or from the hospital environment or home if they're birthed at home, but it's definitely more environmental than what I call vertically inherited from mom. Oh, wow. So the bacteria generally that hang out at the hospital, probably not the ones that I want to be giving my baby. No. <laughs> no. Versus bacteria that hang out where I live. Right. Right. So, oh. so home birth actually tend to have better development through the early months as well. Of their... Microorganism community. Right. So are there ways to take the good elements of microorganism community from my home that the baby may not get initially, let's say at a non-home birth, but also elements of the microorganism from the birth canal that a baby may not get in a cesarean birth and to somehow pass those on to the newborn? Yeah. So you're getting at what we call vaginal seeding. And that is a little controversial. There are a lot of people that would say, absolutely don't do it because we don't know enough. But I did it. <laughs> oh. And I'll tell you about it. Yeah, what's the concept? So vaginal seeding is where women will put sterile swab up the vagina and kind of soak it in the milieu of, of the vagina. So you get a bunch of the good microbes. And this is done, at least in the studies, this has been done on C-section babies. I didn't have a C-section, but I did have to take antibiotics during, right before birth. Oh. Yeah. You can imagine I was pretty upset. Do you want to say why? Uh, sure. Um, I spiked a fever. I hadn't, I, my water broke. And then- You weren't I, having contractions? I was having contractions. I, my water broke, but it was four weeks early. Oh. She was four weeks early. I was supposed to come into your office that morning. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people, when they're supposed to see me, but they don't, <laughs> they get a fever. That's what happens. <laughs> so I should have been it's like, it's Dr. Reaction. Berlin, it's not bacteria. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so I finally, I mean, I put them off. It was a three-day fiasco in the hospital. Finally, I spiked a fever in the third day, and um, and I was like, all right, fine. So wh at which point did you do the, the swabs? swabbing before I went to the hospital. So soon after your water broke? Soon after my water broke, when I found out that it really was my water breaking, then I stuck some swabs up there right away, just That's knowing. quick thinking. Yeah, well, I definitely wanted to make sure. It, it, you know, you go to the hospital, you kind of know you might have to get antibiotics. Yeah, but nobody else really thinks that way. It's like, oh, my God, my water broke. Get me some swabs. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Quick. Yeah. Um, all right. Hold on one second. We're right in the middle of a topic, but we still have to I take know, a break, so and we're going to come back and figure out the rest of what you do for vaginal seating. <laughs> Who could possibly go anywhere? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Important Pregnancy Podcast. I know you didn't go anywhere. We're right in the middle of the juicy, literally, conversation. <laughs> so your water breaks, you stary swab yourself. Um, right. And then what do you do with those strips? I, I put them into a plastic Ziploc. Okay. And threw them in the freezer. 
and then well, actually I put them on ice packs. Right next to the Klondike bars? Okay. <laughs> exactly. And put them in a little carry case for someone to bring to me to the okay. hospital. And then I put that in the freezer. And they did bring it to me right after, or they gave it to me when I had birthed my baby. And then I swabbed her. So I swabbed her well, face. So the good bacteria, they're preserved in ice? Right. When they're frozen, nothing bad happens? To right. Um, rather than dying. And then, so you thaw them out a little bit? I just, just went just for it. You just did it cold? You yeah. Went, oh. They're pretty, I mean, they're, they thaw pretty quickly. You're making me think of a probiotic ice cream. <laughs> Do they have that yet? I would not be shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Yogurt, right? Yeah. Frozen yogurt. I'm sure somebody's thought of that. But yeah, yeah. So I swabbed her face and her mouth and mm. her hands because usually hands go in mouths. And, and She got some of your good bacteria. Yeah, hopefully. So you're saying it's controversial. But not the idea is not really controversial because the idea makes sense. It's just we don't know really the best way to do it and apply it and to make sure that you're also, I suppose, not getting bad bacteria or Yeah, exactly. And things. and there's all sorts of reasons why I wouldn't necessarily. Like if I had tested positive for groupie strep, I might have thought about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably would have done it. But, you know, it, it can be concerning if your vaginal microbiome is kind of off or, you know, there's some funkiness. There's also something about the trauma of birth that changes your flora. It changes both your vaginal and your milk microbiome. And so... We didn't even talk about the milk microbiome. I know. There's so much to talk about. Wow. (laughs) Um, It's very important because that's the next food for your child's microbiome. So they're... What determines which microorganisms end up in your milk? Well, we're discovering this, but it's pretty much from your gut. Did we ever say what prebiotics are? I don't think we did. I mentioned it. It's basically food for the good microbes that you want in your gut. I was probably still focused on ice cream. (laughs) Or vaginas. (laughs) Something, yeah. (laughs) The yogurt. Um, (laughs) I don't think that'll sell. Uh, So you take food that helps the good organisms grow. Why doesn't that same food help the bad microorganisms grow? Because sugar feeds the bad organisms. Oh, okay. So there's actually kind of more complex chemistry will feed the good microorganisms. So simple sugars and easily ground flours can tend to feed. It's it's a little oversimplified, but that's, yeah, but that's, that's okay for our for yeah. bad. I mean, we just our need purposes. to know the basics. So yeah. you're saying the bad guys are bottom feeders. They'll eat anything, yeah, right? And the more complex stuff goes. So when you take those prebiotics, you're helping your own natural good bacteria replicate and exactly. build a bigger, stronger community. And the stronger they are, the was what are some of the things that these good bacteria do for us? They they help with immunity. I think you said right. Um, digestion. They break down things that we can't break down for ourselves. Yeah. So they regulate our immune system. They they actually produce vitamins for oh, really? us that we wouldn't otherwise be able to produce. Hmm. They actually provide energy for our guts to, like our intestinal lining is constantly regrowing, it's regenerating, um, and it needs extra help energetically. And so the bacteria actually produce energy for it. There's all sorts of new stuff coming out that's really exciting about the gut-brain axis. What does that mean? So the gut is kind of your second brain. In a way, it's your first brain. Like it I just read something that your gut produces 400 times the amount of serotonin as your brain. Really? Yeah, it's really complex so and amazing. like your mood. Right. Your mood's depression is incredibly linked to the microbiome and inflammatory responses in general. But it's infinite what's coming out. So they're looking at schizophrenia and, and the microbiome. They're looking at you know all sorts of mental health 
stuff. Is there something that you can do to improve the microorganism community in breast milk? Yeah. So there's not a lot of studies on this, right? So this is based on my... Emerging science. Yes. Yeah. And it's based on my experience and also with my... Your personal um, experience with your baby or your personal experience... I mean, you're working with clients. With my clients clients and also with my baby. So a little anecdotal at the moment. Yes. Okay. Yes, I can't... I'll tell you when there's there's good research. (laughs) More evidence-based. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, you know, we talked about this. There's this amazing study saying that the actual experience of birth will create a different microbiome in your milk, yeah. right? So it, it's much more diverse in your... Is it because the baby's out of you that things naturally change, or I, well, we don't know why it changes? I don't know what the mechanism is. It's really okay. quite amazing, though. So your milk microbiome will change over the course of your child's development as well. I mean, it's just, it's pretty extraordinary what... Can you test what's in your community? You can. I took breast milk samples in my study a lot and would like to do more analysis on that. But yeah, there's a... And you can kind of titrate down how much and what? It is testable. I don't know that anybody's doing it commercially yet, which is something I would really like to do. Yeah, because it seems like if you find out you're lacking in things you should have or you have things that shouldn't be in there. Exactly. Although also, we did have somebody on our program called Canali. Doc, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Stephanie, who does test breast milk, but maybe not for microorganisms yet. She doesn't. I meant to reach out to her and see if she wants to. Mm-hmm. Cause it'd be very I cool. I bet she will want to. It'd be very cool. Uh oh. When you guys unite, it'll be like the peanut butter and chocolate of microorganism <laughs> and breast Watch milk out. health. I know. <laughs> But you add a really great question about it changing once in a blue <laughs> <laughs> about how you can affect your breast milk microbiome. And one of the important components of breast milk is that there's oligosaccharides, which are sugars. Complex. Right. All sorts of different complex sugars that feed important microbes in your baby. That are in the milk. Right. And so based on... Oh, and complex sugars feed good bacteria. Right. So you give your baby prebiotic. Right, right. And if you don't have the oligosaccharides... Then your child will have a terrible life. Oh. Well, totally my, doomed. I think no. just because they're my children. <laughs> <laughs> like there are other... <laughs> it's multifactorial. <laughs> yeah, the oligosaccharides are the least of their problems. <laughs> No, they're they're definitely, I mean, just diet is huge. So you're saying if you eat the simple sugars and the flowers, you're feeding the bad bacteria. Right. And they grow throughout your body in all the little communities, including the milk microbiome. Right. You know, it depends on where you are. Like early on, I think the baby's gut is really sensitive and you can't necessarily eat the diverse plant-based diet. Like you can't have all of the FODMAP foods, like all of the... Um, What's FODMAP? Oh, gosh, we're going to get really far down a rabbit hole. Basically, (laughs) (laughs) certain foods that feed certain bacteria. But the important thing is that at first you have to kind of go easy, right? Every midwife and doula and everybody will say you can't have as much onion. You can't have raw, you know, garlic. Oh, just because you want to expose the baby to different foods. Right. At first. Like lightly. Right. And then get into more diversity. Exactly. Just to make sure they're not sensitive to things. Exactly. In your milk. Exactly. Okay, so you're saying from a strict microbiome perspective, you can't have everything you'd want to have right right out of the gate. So what's good to start with? What's good to start with is pretty much the, you know, squashes. And actually, the more colorful, the better, right? So the darker reds, purples, all those kind of really high 
phytonutrient guys are, are important. They produce a lot of compounds that feed the bacteria. The good ones. Right, the good ones. It can get really complex because we can even talk about how you cook things and that will feed your bacteria in different ways. Well, you know what's going to have to happen. Another podcast. Another episode with Dr. Gabriella Sheets. Oh, I would really love that. Well, I mean, this is a lot, no pun intended, this is a lot to digest already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess the takeaway is the microbiome is a community of very complex community of microorganisms within any area. Our whole body has a global microbiome. Each part of our body has a micro-microbiome. And when you're having babies, two of the microbiomes that are pretty important are the vaginal microbiome and the breast milk microbiome. And gut. And gut. Well, yeah. gut for everyone, for all, right? right? right. Um, and so, and we pass our microbiome down to the children. So now I'm really fascinated by the skinny mouse, fat mouse, because, <laughs> you know, it seems like there's a lot of potential here to really analyze what's in that community of microorganisms and to manipulate it in ways that our body may respond to in huge therapeutically good ways. So, you know, in general, we're just scratching the surface. And on this podcast, we really just scratch the surface of what we already know. So you'll definitely have to come back. I would love it. Where can we find you online? So my company is called Lumbiota.com. So you spell it. L-U-M-B-I-O-T-A. Dot com, And you can kind of inquire, and also there's a lot of information I put up there. So you do, like, um, consulting? I do mostly consulting. I'm, I'm starting to build web-based educational programs okay. because I want it to reach as many people as possible who can affect the next generation. It might go viral. See what I did there? <laughs> uh, well, Very well done. <laughs> uh, I learned a lot. And uh, I know our audience will, too. So thanks for being here. It's always a joy. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for being our listeners. If you'd like more information about these topics, visit informedpregnancy.com.